Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of Dream Business Academy, and host of this podcast now in its ninth year. Before we dive in, I want to remind everybody that all six of my Dream Business books are available for free in digital format. This is part of my uh, legacy building program. You can download them as Kindle books on Amazon as Nook Books at bnn.com. And if you're into the iBook store, you can get them there. Um, I, I don't get any stats on the BNN and or the iBook store, but I, I do see stats on Amazon. And since I started doing this, we were over 30,000 books downloaded, which is pretty cool. So enjoy those. Uh, my special guest today is Brian Clayton, and he has quite a success story to share. He is the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for Lawn Care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 200,000 active users completing thousands of transactions a day. Before starting GreenPal, Brian founded Peachtree Incorporated, one of the largest landscape companies in the state of Tennessee, growing it to over $10 million a year in revenue before it was acquired by Lusa Holdings in 2013. Brian's interests and expertise are related to entrepreneurialism, small business growth, marketing, bootstrapping businesses. So now you know why I'm excited to talk to him and taking businesses from zero revenue to profitability and exit. Brian, how are you doing today? Jim, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. Sir, when I when I saw you, sir, <laughs> Brian, when I saw you, when I talking to you, sir, I usually don't talk like that. I saw your information. By the way, I, you know, I get pitched like multiple times a week and I saw your story and I'm like, Wow. How do you grow a lawn care business like that? I'm very familiar with that business and it's real tough. And for you to, um, you know, to first of all, grow a $10 million business and then sell out. I don't, I don't know why you're not in a boat and just relaxing, but I guess being an entrepreneur, you, you can't sit still for more than an hour. That's <laughs> so true. you started another business, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to your point, uh, when I sold my, my first landscaping company, it, I had grown it from just myself and a push mower to over, 150 employees. It was doing 10 million a year in revenue and I sold it and I did take some time off, took about a year off and I got bored. I was sitting on a beach in Costa Rica one day and it just hit me like the only problem I had faced uh, for that, like the last two weeks was the bar ran out of my favorite type of tequila. And oh, I thought, I thought, okay, this is, this is a problem. I, I, I've got to get back into a project. So, so yeah, you know, it's like, uh, I think as an entrepreneur, you're just always wired to want to be in the game and that's how it's been for that's me. That's it. Now. Um, so we were just chatting briefly before we went on the interview here. I'm guessing what, what are you late thirties, early forties, early forties. There you go. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, I talk about in three years, well, first of all, I'm, I'm down to three days a week coaching now, but in three years, I will do something less than that. But honestly, I really can't sit still from the time I get out of bed to the time I go to go to bed again, I'm just always going. And, and I think that's what it's, that's really what a true entrepreneur is. You constantly, you see things, you think, well, I could do that better. <laughs> exactly. and, you, and you just love the hunt and the build. 
So I'm just curious, as with all of my guests, Brian, your entrepreneurial roots, were your parents or grandparents entrepreneurs? Where'd you get that? Um, where'd you get that gene? Yeah, so it, it was it was one that I was I was forced into entrepreneurship. I was forced into business ownership, uh, kicking and screaming by my father on a hot summer day. He said, get off your butt. I've got a gig for you to do. You're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And he, oh I guess he got tired of me of watching me sit around playing Super Mario Brothers. And so made me go mow the neighbor's yard. And, and thank God he did, because after I got done, I made $20. And I thought, this is incredible. I just worked for an hour and made 20 bucks. Why doesn't everybody do this? This is, this is, this is the ticket right here. And uh, the first thing I did when I got done and got paid is I, I went back to my old school desktop computer and printed up a bunch of flyers using like Microsoft Word and hung a pass them out all over the neighborhood. And by the end of that first summer, I had like a dozen lawn mowing uh, customers that I was cutting grass for. And so I, I stayed mowing yards all through high school, all through college. And when I graduated college, I went to school for business and I, and I thought, you know, this lawn mowing business could be the thing that that it helps me uh, make something of myself. It could be my lane in life. I really didn't want to be a lawn guy my whole life. I didn't really like the lawn mowing business, but I liked business ownership. And I, mm -hmm. I saw the potential to, to build something big in that industry using what little I had learned in business school and what I had learned just through trial and error in the, in the lawn mowing business and made a little business plan. And, and sure enough, over 15 years, just working my butt off, building a great team around me. Uh, we built one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, where I live, and then and then was able to get the business acquired in 2013, which, which doesn't happen very often in that industry. Yeah, it's a, it really is a small mom and pop industry with a few players that take care of the big corporate office parks and things like that, but it really is dominated by the mom and pops. Now, I, I want to pay you a compliment because, you know, I, I'm one of four kids. Stephanie and I raised four kids. And usually when your parents have you do something, whether it's a suggestion, it's like you want to do anything but that. But you really you looked at that opportunity and, and you really saw the uh, well, I should say you saw the opportunity in that. Get off your butt and go go cut the neighbor's lawn activity. It was so much easier than hassling my folks for money. And I thought I really looked at it as this is the easier path. You know, I can just go mow, mow yards for my neighbors and have as much cash in my pocket as I want. And uh, I don't have to beg my parents for money. And, and, and the other thing was like, I, I wanted a pair. I remember I wanted a pair of soccer cleats and then they were like a hundred dollars and my parents wouldn't buy me the hundred dollar soccer cleats. They would buy me the $15 soccer cleats. And so it was that motivation that I want the good pair of cleats. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get them. And thank God my parents just didn't give me everything I wanted because that they would have snuffed out that ambition. It just, it's just something that stuck with me then. And now 25 years later, it's, it's still, I still feel the same way. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the smartest things parents can do, whether you're well off or not, is if you want something, you go work for it. You know, I'll, right. date my, I'll date myself here. But when I was in high school, uh, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom. So I had no idea how, how close they were paycheck to paycheck. We always assumed everything's fine. Right. And I said uh, back then Levi jeans were the big thing, but they bought me JC Penny jeans because yep. they were half the price. Yep. yep. And if you want the Levi's, well, you're going to have to go work for it. Yeah. And yeah. Then you'll learn that the Levi's really aren't that important. <laughs> no, but, no, but they got the orange tab, which is pretty damn important. Yeah. It's pretty damn uh, important. <laughs> anyway. So I looked at your website. I was really fascinated with this. Again, I, I mentioned um, 
you know, my son Steve was in the uh, in that business, and um, it's it's a low margin. The labor, I mean, first of all, labor in general is becoming a huge problem. But labor's always been a problem in that industry, right? Because uh, if if once the lawns stop growing, you know, if you're in the Northeast, anywhere but the South, I guess, where it's a year round business, you know, what do you do? And then you Stop hope business. it snows so you can put a plow on your pickup truck. But that, that that's got to be your, your biggest challenge, I would think, building that business. It's a tough business. And and so, yeah, when I when I had built out my first landscaping company to over 100 people, recruiting labor and, and, and keeping people on board was really kind of what we were the best at in our marketplace. We were just flat out better at figuring out ways to pay people more, to treat people better, to create a family atmosphere at the business. And when I sold the company, you know, it was hard because that was my baby and that was my family. But I think if you're in a service business, figuring out ways to recruit and train team members is, is, is really the business you're in more so than like cutting grass or, you know, construction or home cleaning or whatever your service is. Really your service is, how do you recruit uh, staff? How do you keep staff? How do you train them? How do you make sure they're happy? Because that's your product. Yeah. And just, uh, go ahead. No, it just occurred to me. I want to, my brain goes way faster than my mouth. Did you have a non-compete or is this completely like landscaping and lawn care? I didn't know. Did you, were you out of the industry for a little while or did, was that not a stringent non-compete? Yeah, so, so when I built up that first landscaping company and sold it, there was a non-compete, but that company operated in the commercial space. And so as time, as time went on, you know, we, 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 we grew that business to only take on commercial contracts, you know, uh, office complexes, apartment complexes, airports, uh, things of that sort. When I sold the business and took time off, I, I, I saw an opportunity that an app needed to exist for your just basic lawn mowing services for residential consumers. And the reason I saw, I knew this was a good opportunity is because I saw it every day running that first company. People would call my office relentlessly, 40, 50 calls a day, begging us to just come and mow their yard. Mm. And we would, ha- we would have to tell them like, look, we don't, we don't offer those services anymore. I know you see our trucks all over town with lawnmowers, but those are going to do big contracts. And so, but we had a value to run that business to always try to be helpful no matter what. And so we kept a list of names and phone numbers by the phone and we would refer out your smaller operators. You know, we, we would just colloquial call, call them uh, uh, Peter in a pickup, Chuck in a truck, Molly in a mower, you know, your single operators, small <laughs> business owners, and, and they wanted that business. And so we would refer them out. So if essentially we were for, uh, a free referral service. And so when I sold the business, I thought, well, what am I going to do now? You know, and I thought, well, I, I saw what Uber and Airbnb and Lyft were doing for real world transactions and how they were making them easy and seamless. And I thought an app should exist for what I just spent 15 years of my life doing. And I thought somebody's going to build this app. It might as well be me. And it was kind of naivete as an asset. I didn't know how hard it was going to be to pull this off. But I recruited two co-founders and we went to started working on it and we got a first version released into the public and and that was a failure. But we we learned just enough to keep going. And now here we're 10 years later and, and we have built the largest network of, of lawn care services in the country uh, and have built the app GreenPow, which is the Uber for lawn mowing. Over 300,000 people are using this app today to get this, wow. to get this uh, a chore done. And, and we're still growing 50, 60% year over year. And, and so the idea I had then, you know, 10 years ago, 
is still the same idea we're working on now. How do I push a button and get this chore done? And as a contractor, how, I, I need access to a, a platform where I can get as many lawn mowing customers as I want, help and, 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 and help me get paid, help me organize everything. And that's what we do for contractors. And we enable homeowners to kind of hire them off the shelf, so to speak. By the way, I think if you ask uh, 100 small business owners, would they have gotten started if they knew how hard it would be? I think a hundred would say no. So that's a, that's that, a benefit. <laughs> yeah. That naive day is that, a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. Cause none of us would ever do it. So I, I'm curious about the, um, how does the revenue model work with the app to, do, do the people, do your, I don't know if you call them vendors, partners, but the people who cut lawns ac- across the country, do they, do they pay a fee to belong to this or only when a job is booked? That's exactly how it works. So, so we take a small transactional fee of every uh, job that, the, that a contractor does on the platform. And so that's, that varies based on the amount of volume they're pushing through the platform. But, the, but GreenPal doesn't get paid unless our vendor partners get paid. And so our, our interests are aligned uh, with the small business owners that use our platform it's our sole mission to help them get more customers, get paid quickly, get booked again, help them upsell, help them keep their customers because we're kind of in business with them. We are a uh, business in a box, so to speak, for, for contractors in the lawn mowing business. And so that's really why we exist. We really want to help these folks make material income with less hassle, uh, things from getting all the customers that they, that they want to get getting paid within 24 hours rather than having to run like an accounts receivable of 30, 60, 90 days. They get paid very quickly, uh, organizing everything in one place, uh, one CRM for their entire business. And then also marketing automation, making sure that they're getting booked for subsequent visits and getting booked for additional services that, that their clients need. We end-to-end handle all of this for them and help them make as much money as possible because we take a small transaction fee based on how much revenue they push through the platform. So the, the money actually goes through the Green Pal app. You That's take a correct. small piece and then and then what's left goes to the actual uh, cutter. That is correct. Wow. And That's- and, and in consumers, it's, it's it's essentially free. It's free for them to sign up. They get quotes for free and and, and whoever they hire, they the price they see is the price they pay. It's not like DoorDash where you you know you order a fifteen dollar hamburger and it shows up and it's forty eight dollars. Yeah, uh, it's it's a turnkey one price the price they see is the price they pay and then we handle everything else behind the scenes. So what about like the customer service? I mean, obviously people will gripe. You know, you you ran over my trellis or what? You know, do they deal with the cutter or do they come back to Green Pal? Great question. So we are not the landscaping service for the homeowner. We are not their contractor. It's our job to help them get introduced to a small business owner, a small contractor in their neighborhood, get pricing, get scheduled and facilitate the payment and facilitate the ongoing bookings. We are not in the business of handling uh, issues if the back patio didn't get blown off or if they missed a spot mowing or whatever. We have built into the app workflows to where if, if you're not happy with the service, you can raise a dispute. Uh, you can let your contractor know where they came up short. You can take pictures of it. So we facilitate that, make that easier. But when it comes to uh, you know things, uh, opportunities for improvement in the service or things that they're not happy about, we make that easier for them to work that out amongst themselves or uh, hire a different contractor. So you know a lot of times. You, you, when you're working with home service providers, it might take you a couple of swings at the plate to get the one you like. 
I see. Um, we make that easier for consumers to quickly get quotes. Try somebody. Eh, didn't really work out. I'm going to try another person. Oh, that one didn't work out. Let me try another person until they get seated, you know, situated with the contractor that they like. And so it's our job to help with the introduction, help make the payment go smooth, help with the pricing and help with the ongoing bookings. But when it comes to that personal relationship that exists between you and like a, a person working in your home, we don't want to get in the middle of that because we wouldn't be any good at that. We wouldn't be able to offer at any value there. We'd actually would just get in the way. Suppose a homeowner goes on the app and they say, yeah, I, I'm looking for somebody either whether it's a one time because my husband or son are, are ill or whatever, or I'm looking for somebody to do this on a regular weekly or monthly basis. Um, do people bid on it or do they select somebody to this? Does the consumer select somebody from your, your list of uh, folks in the area? It's a great question. We, we make it a, a, an efficient, very quick competitive bidding system. So ah. when, when you sign up as a consumer, you put in like four pieces of data, your, your name, your email, and your physical address, three things. That's all we need. Then we go to work on everything in the back end. We look up how many square feet is your yard, where it's located, what the average price is, is, is in your zip code. Um, how many, how many co other customers do, do contractors have in that area? And we present all of that information to the contractors in your zip code. They then look at that data and they can say, okay, well, I can see the aerial imagery, the street imagery. I see it's 1900 or 19,000 square feet. Uh, I have four other customers in this neighborhood. I'm charging an average of $38 for them. The average winning price in this zip code is $43. Okay. My price is going to be 40 bucks. And that's how the contractor prices the, the, the property for you. They don't even have to drive out there. And so they can now quote 20 of these in five minutes rather than having to ride all over town handing out free estimates. They can quickly do that, you know, from the palm of their hand. That is so slick. So you actually show them what Google Google Earth pictures or or I'm don't if I'm asking some proprietary, don't tell no, me. No, 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 no. We, we, we pull in, we pull in aerial imagery from Google Earth. We pull in street imagery from, from Google Street View. And we pull in real estate data from Zillow. And, and then also we, we've aggregated county level data around a lot sizes and square footages. We, we've had to build that out by hand on a county by county basis in the country. And so as the contractor, that's all you need to know. You need to kind of get a, a, a eyeball on it. You need to know how big it is. You need to know where it's located and you need to know where it's located within relation to other clients you already have, because that matters because you don't want to be driving 20 minutes all over town. If it's with, if it's within five minutes of another customer, you know, you can knock it out on the way. And that that's a big part of what drives price. Does the customer, well, you said they only fill out a couple of things, but how does the vendor know that the customer needs them either tomorrow or just set next week or how many times, where do they get that information when they reach out to them and have a conversation? Everything is assumed for tomorrow unless otherwise specified. So we, oh. uh, be, because 90% of the time when somebody comes onto GreenPal, they, they are, well, we had to learn this uh, just through trial and error. When somebody tries GreenPal, it's because somebody else has already flaked on them. Yeah. Or their contractor like turned into like, like the case of the disappearing lawn guy is very real. And they, they got a turn... family gathering. Coming, right. So it's always 90% of the time it's tomorrow. Now, okay. as, as a consumer gets further down the workflow and they create an account, now they're looking at the price. They want to specify a specific day. They can certainly do that. But one thing we learned just through looking at the data and talking to people, 
90% of the time is, is today, if possible, tomorrow at the latest. Because when they come to Green Pal, their grass is already three or four feet tall. They need somebody. Okay. Down. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I mean, I, I'm so impressed with this. And the other thing I want to mention I'm impressed with is the name Green Pal. I realize green in this case refers to a nice lush lawn, but everything green, I mean, everything being marketed today is green, you know, yeah. kind of like the, from the environmental aspect of green. So I thought, well, that's pretty clever. Did you have that in mind? You can take a bow if you did. But We, we, uh, we you know, so this was a mistake that we made in the early days. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, we spent we spent like three months trying to come up with a brand, come up with a color scheme, come up with a brand mascot, you know, and all these things. And we came up with the name Green Pal, which which is a good brand, good name. It was it was hell getting the domain name, but but we got it done. But the the lesson there learned was we spent too long on that. We should have just came up with a name in a week and gone to work getting customers. And so uh, the lesson learned there is I think a lot of times new entrepreneurs, new founders, new business owners spend so much time on branding and name and color scheme and culture and all these things that don't matter when you know at level one of the video game you just need a dozen customers go get a dozen customers figure that other stuff out later you can rebrand you know uh if you have to and so that was a lesson that we learned so we did kind of hit it out of the park uh on the first try but it took us way too long we wasted way, way too much time on it in the early days yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the best thing any, any small business owner has going is, is a marketer and somebody who closes sales. If you're not generating yep. revenue, I mean, you could have the greatest office and thick business card with glossy finish, yep. but if you don't have revenue, you don't have a business. So I'm, I'm right with you there. Yep. Um, it seems to me that, um, and you know, I've been in the boating industry just as a boater for five years now. And it's like, it's populated with a lot of, just like in the lawn care business, a lot of small, some mom and pop People, whether dealing with mechanics who have a good skill, mechanical, but they have no skill customer service wise, closing sales, et cetera. So it seems like you're really facilitating that connection between customers with a need and lawn care people who need some jobs. Nobody teaches us how to run a small business anywhere in school, anywhere in college. I, 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 I mean, maybe you can go to some seminars and, and read some, take some courses online and get coaches and, and you're smart if you do that, but nobody teaches us how to run a small business. And, right. and so to your point, you know, folks that are great at mowing yards aren't necessarily inherently good at running a business. They don't know what it means to do bookkeeping or to do customer service or why it's important to call somebody back in an hour or why it's important to show up on the day you're supposed to. Uh, and so it's our platform's job to modulate that experience to where we're almost like a coach in their, in, in the, in the contractor's pocket to nudge them, to show up on time, to quote, uh, uh, a reasonable quote, and then to honor that quote, to follow up after they got done with the service, to make sure the client is happy. These basic kind of block and tackling for, for businesses, business one-on-one, nobody knows to do them. And so it's our job to kind of like nudge them at every step of the way to do these things and we do that by scoring them you know we we score contractors on on reliability how often do they show up on the day they are supposed to uh we, we score them on on a, what we call an ongoing rating which means how often do they get booked for a second third and fourth visit um after the first visit and that's a key indication of was the client happy with their services and, and how so, do you know that? I'm sorry. To how do you know that, Brian, if they show up on time? How, how does that work? Literally, they have to show up at 
at Mrs. Smith's house on Thursday, if she's scheduled for Thursday and they have to complete it in the system, upload a photo of the completed job. Oh, wow. And, and, and then we measure that. And if that happened, you're, and, and Mrs. Smith was happy with the proper, with the job, you get scored positively. If it happened on Friday or Saturday or the following Monday, you don't get scored, scored well. And so that's just one way of a dozen that we, we measure the, the effectiveness and the, and the reliability of, of contractors. And so if, uh, over time, we promote the good ones and we kind of downgrade and expel the bad ones and let them know that they're not doing well. It's like, hey, listen, your reliability rating is 48%. If you drop below 30%, you're going to be deplatformed, just giving you a heads up. And so they work hard to improve that. And now they know that's an important thing that they have to improve. And so they're like, there's accountability and like we're a coach for these folks because we want them to make as much money as they possibly can. Yeah. Because that's how the platform prospers. Wow. I, I, I could talk to you for literally another hour, but I've, I've got another call. <laughs> the clock dictates all. This is so fascinating. And it sounds like you've literally worked. I mean, you know, you, you said you spent a while coming up with the logo and the, and the imagery and all, but I'm guessing you and your partners also figured out what, what a lot of entrepreneurs don't do. What What's going to go right? What could go wrong? And how do we fix it actually before you launched or you're just very good at, uh, you know, uh, adapting on the fly, but it's very impressive. We appreciate it. It's been more the latter. It's, it's been, it's been fixing all the problems on a daily basis for a decade. And as time goes on, you know, you just get better and better and better. And I think that's how every good business is built. It's just constant iteration, constant improvement, constantly making the experience better for your customers. Wow. Brian, what a pleasure to talk with you. How, um, if, by the way, if somebody needs their uh, lawn cut or they just want to learn more about you, cause you're it's a very inspiring story. Where, where should they go? Yeah. Anybody uh, listening to this doesn't want to mow your own yard. Just go to greenpal.com or download GreenPal in the app store or play store. Anybody wants to hit me up. Instagram's a good place to reach me. You can reach me at Brian M Clayton. Awesome. Brian, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. I had a ball. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Dream Business Radio with Brian Clayton. Again, go to Green Pal, your Green Pal. Wait, your Green Pal or Green Pal? Either one. Okay. <laughs> you got, see, there's another smart guy, right? You, no matter what. So your Green Pal or just greenpal.com. You can connect with me, obviously, at getchimpalmer.com. If you're interested in the Dream Business Mastermind, very smart decision on your part. That would be Dream Biz Coaching, Dream B-I-Z Coaching.com. Remember, get digital copies of all of my books. Amazon, that's probably the fastest and best place to go. But until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free dream business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.